0: Hey, what's going on? This is the
1: Saturday Down South podcast. I am Connor O'Gara. Well, we're in person. Yes, we are in my office surrounded by some drones um, from my production career and some LSU stuff. So you finally get to see my layer, man.
0: I got to see the humble abode. Will sent me a warning that I was going to be very, very disappointed in his grass, and I'm like, Will, <laughs> your grass is thick. You just went through a little dry period. You're good. It's the rainy season. You're going to be, you're going to be back to normal in no time. Mm-hmm. So you, you need not need to be worried about your your grass situation. Nobody cares about your grass situation. No offense. <laughs> Wow. I'm just saying, I care about it. I know the people listening to this don't, but we're in person because we are in Atlanta, SEC media days, day one is in the books. Great show coming up. We got Eli Drinkwitz. We've got also Kentucky receiver Kentucky receiver Tavion Robinson, interview that we recorded later last week, all being the drum team member. But Will, you weren't necessarily at SEC media days But your perspective from watching the the 30,000 foot view of the festivities was what exactly? And Please just tell me it was, as an LSU fan, you were glad that Brian Kelly didn't put his foot in his mouth with attempting a Southern accent yet again.
1: Dude, that's exactly what I said when I first saw you today. I was like, at least he didn't say something that could be misconstrued. At least he didn't talk about killing his players. He didn't say yep. something accidentally sexist. Like any day that Brian Kelly is just kind of between the the hash marks, I think is a good day as an LSU fan. Uh, strong assistant coach staff at LSU. So if we could just get him away from microphone, that would be great. That's why days like this are nerve wracking, but it's over. Um, yeah, I think that it's always good to see friend of the program, you know what I'm saying? Coach Drake, I think that's, he's always a cool guy. I think he's of similar sensibilities. And then obviously we finished it off today with, uh, you know, some mustard questions, so can't complain. I asked one question
0: today, and it was Lane Kiffin about, I asked him how many mustard bottles he has signed in the past nine months. And you know what? If you're gonna ask one question at SEC Media Days, ask about a dude autographing mustard bottles. That's what I always say. Right. I mean, I thought that it was, not necessarily revealing from a serious football standpoint of getting updates on NIL and realignment and all these different things. It's like, yeah, everybody's, I feel like most people are kind of on the same page with a lot of this stuff. And we heard Greg Sankey address some of those specific issues. And we're going to get into that in a second, but I was looking forward to being able to talk about actual football. And then I kind of realized none of these three teams, these first three teams, Mizzou, Ole Miss, and LSU, had quarterbacks here mm-hmm. and their head coaches, all of which are kind of prolific in their own ways for the way that they come across. <laughs> That's <laughs> they a
1: word, yeah. <laughs> were,
0: right? Like uh, all very prolific in, in unique ways. They were all going to be hammered with questions related to those big, big picture issues. So mm-hmm. there will be time to discuss actual football, I think, I think I don't necessarily know we had Brian Kelly talking about the the collective with LSU and he's like you know I don't think we're being outbid by anyone which you know that's the world that we're living in right we're we're hearing coaches talk about being outbid we had Lane Kiffin addressing issues of, of NIL there's obviously just kind of an overarching desire for all coaches Greg Sinke as well to have congress regulation which is a strange thing to hear (laughs) people talk about in college football but that's kind of where we were at it felt like today was very much a hard news day and that's why i had to step in with a question about a mustard bottle
1: so let me take a quick pause this is something that most people might know but i just don't how do they do they just draw names out of a hat like why did they go with these three teams like in terms of scheduling it's funny because
0: I don't know that there is a specific rhyme or reason. Auburn's always the last day, mm-hmm. and there might be a reason for that. I think some of it depends on like, maybe they'll put in a request saying, hey, you know, I've, I've got maybe vacation plans here, 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 and the here, and you know, ideally if, if you're Sabin or somebody like that, you can yeah. say I'd like to be able to, to go early in the week. I don't. I think Sabin always goes on Tuesday, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. I think it is pretty random for, for the most part, but they do like, we're not gonna get like we're not gonna ever have a day in which it's S- Sabin, Kirby, and Jimbo on the opening day. Like right. That's that's not gonna happen. So it always kind of works out to where there's like, not necessarily just all top-tier programs or a day in which it's you know like Vandy, South Carolina, Missoula, and Kentucky. They're not gonna do that necessarily. They try and split it up with some of the markets. I think that has something to do with it. I don't know. I, maybe I should figure that out though. Maybe I need to find that out. That needs to be one of my missions this week finding out at SEC Media Days how they picked a specific order. But yeah, nothing too crazy relevant. No no like massive viral moments. I'd argue, you know what? I don't do this that often. I'm going to give us a couple of pats on the back here. Okay. I think the two most viral press conference moments of the day were both brought to you by Marler and yours truly. Okay. Because Marler asked the question to Brian Kelly about his, his Southern accent and eating foods in the South and whatnot and we had Brian Kelly talk about why he has three different accents mixed into one, which <laughs> he doesn't, but he can think whatever he wants. Right. And then, you know, asking Kiffin about about mustard as opposed to asking him about his fitness, which as we were talking about before we came on, he doesn't want to talk about his fitness. And right. you know, I, I learned last last year you don't ask Lane Kiffin about the fact that he lost forty pounds and he looked way different coming into year two.
1: Listen, know. so podcast hosts are what, two in one in food related questions, you could say. They this really is like, true. you know, they stepped it up from last <laughs> year. This is true. We you know what? We we absolutely
0: did. But yeah, it was it was uh, it was an interesting day and interesting from the uh, perspective of Greg Sankey because he is the alpha in the room. Right. And you you know that whenever he is addressing something related to realignment transfer portal, NIL, your ears kind of perk up, Mm -hmm. which is kind of nice. It's kind of nice to actually hear somebody who you actually feel like has power in those decisions come out and say something. Right. He maintained that the SEC, as our Matt Hayes has been reporting for the last couple of weeks, that the SEC is going to stand pat at 16. Mm -hmm. If the ACC came out and, and announced, the ACC wouldn't announce this, somebody else would announce this. If we found out that the ACC was able to get out of its grant of rights contract, which has it locked in place all those teams through 2036, yeah, would you hear Greg Sankey have a different tone? Nah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. But in the meantime, the SEC doesn't need to react to the Big Ten. That was kind right. of the point that Greg Sankey brought up. We don't. We're not panicking you know, the Big Ten reacted to the SEC. Right. The Big Ten reacted to the SEC as it should have, and it went and made the best power play that it probably could have, with the exception of Notre Dame. Right. Which, as we found out today, uh, Dennis Dodd reported for CBS that they are trying to get, they're targeting. That's a great verb. That's like that's a, such a woge verb. Yeah, Tar- that's a woge verb, bro. Ugh. They've Tar- zeroed in. Targeting, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, targeting could be many things in college football. Fair. Today, targeting was uh, Dennis Dodd saying that they are targeting 75 million dollars in annual rights for NBC to remain an independent. Right. Because they want to remain an independent. Which we weren't going to get any sort of clarity on that. It was like Greg Sankey was going to step up to the podium and say, you know what, we've 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 kept our eye on this team and this team. And right. this team. <laughs> if he had said that, that would have been like, oh, it's on. Like this yeah. this is this is getting to 20 and it's getting to 20 in a hurry. I still think that the SEC will get to 20. Eventually, as of right now, with kind of the current structure of the league, doesn't necessarily make as much sense to be to be reactionary in that sort of way. Those are different conversations. So that was probably like the most newsworthy development. Um, nothing, nothing that truly stunned me from that perspective. We hear coaches talk about what kind of conference model they want for scheduling and all that. It's something that Eli Drinkwitz addressed in the interview that that I had with him as well. Um, but it's mainly it feels like everybody's feels everybody's being asked their opinion about this stuff, mm-hmm. and they're also super helpless.
1: Right? Yeah, which is I weird. Mean, it's you know what's crazy, man. It's like as SEC fans, we feel like okay, like you know our traditions and our way of life are kind of being destroyed, and I feel that, and I felt that. We talked about it whenever Texas and Oklahoma got added, but. Imagine being literally anyone else in college football because there's a pretty big gap yeah. between even where the SEC is and where the Big Ten is, and then there's a cliff between them and the next conference. And it's like, you talked about it, it's like, yeah, like, the SEC doesn't have to make like, look like they're doing panic moves by adding a USC and a UCLA. They don't have to go get Washington or Oregon to increase their brand footprint, because even with those teams, the Big 10 isn't, I don't think near them in terms of like, you know, recruiting or in terms of brand viability. So yeah, it's, it, as scary it is for us, and it's very scary. As I've seen other fans talk, I'm like, gosh, you guys are like out there floating like Tom, or um, like old boy and uh, Castaway. Like you're just lost. Yes. Like, and-
0: you, that's that's a, a good point to to bring up and something that Lane said today Which was probably the closest thing to a jab that we got all day Lane was asked about Oklahoma, Texas USC and UCLA these four I don't want to say powers in college football because UCLA isn't a power right now USC isn't a power coming off of a four-win season. These one
1: power in college football. Yeah, Texas isn't a power <laughs> coming off five-win
0: season. Uh, these, I'd say three programs who have like legitimate history in the sport. UCLA has has history as well, not nearly as much as as those other programs. But (laughs) I think what, um, I I thought Lane, his response to that question of what do you think that transition is going to be like for those four specific uh, teams? And Lane said, well, for the likes of USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, like, it's like, to be honest with you, I don't really think that's much of a transition. I don't really think going to the Big Ten is all of a sudden going to be this earth-shattering change for them because how much better has the Big Ten been from the Pac-12, really? I mean, really,
1: think about it. (laughs) You got to take out Ohio State, but you got a real argument after that,
0: yeah. The the Pac-12 has had two programs make it to the college football playoff. Yep. The Big Ten has had three. The Big Ten has had one team win a playoff game. The Pac-12 has had one, Oregon. Right. Everybody craps on the Pac-12 and understandably so because they haven't had a team in the college football playoffs since 2016. But it's like at the same time, Lane's kind of right about this. The transition for Oklahoma and Texas to join the SEC, despite what we think of their history, is greater than what it is for USC and UCLA to join the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. Their biggest hurdle is geography. Their biggest oh, yeah. hurdle is going to Piscataway on a Tuesday night and being like, crap, what is the rest of our weekly? I'm, I'm, safe, for <laughs> other I'm safe for other sports. Piscataway on a Tuesday night? I'm, I'm not even
1: slandering them, but that just sounds like a rough flight. Like, it's
0: yes. just like, oh. I think the, I actually looked this up. I, I think the flight from, because I, I was like, I wonder if my flight when I was in Utah, if my flight from, uh, Orlando to Utah, or my because I, I flew Orlando to Miami, Miami to Utah. Yeah. My flight from Miami to Utah was longer than the flight from Piscataway to Los Angeles, which is a weird thought. Yeah. Like, that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, but we don't need to get into ge- to ge- to geography.
1: Listen, yeah, and that's the cool thing about the SEC, right? You know what I'm saying? When you talk about, people would say geography doesn't matter. It's like, well, in the SEC, the farthest west, you're going to go is to Texas or AM, I don't know which one's more west. My bad. But yeah, Mizzou is always going to be the most outside team. You know what I'm saying? Like when they added them in 2012, so like it just doesn't seem like you said it's just it doesn't seem reactive at this point.
0: It doesn't. Yeah, but I, I thought I thought Lane made a, a great point and said like <laughs> cliches aside, yes, SEC just means more, all that stuff. It, it is truly a gauntlet, and I and I respect Lane's opinion on that as somebody who's been relevant in this sport for the last two decades to be able to diagnose, yes, it, it is going to be a bigger transition for Texas and Oklahoma than it will be for those other schools. But nothing crazy relevant in terms of like actual news to report. I did break a little bit of news today as well. Mm-hmm. Our guy, Gene Chizik, best friend of the program, UNC defense is going to be- Lights out. People are say- Top five? five nationally, maybe? Mm-hmm. That might be setting the bar a little too high, but not much. <laughs> um, but that uh, Takiyo Spikes, former Auburn linebacker, thickest neck in the history of football, <laughs> is going to be replacing Chizik yeah. on a SEC football final, which is going to be great, because I think I think people are really going to like Takiyo Spikes. He's one of those people that, when Tebow was doing his minor league baseball stuff, and I floated out the idea of a new person, um, to, to join the the SEC network crew to kind of fill his void on SEC nation. He was a name that I brought up and said he would be great because if you kind of look at his background in media experience and then if, for those, and I'm guessing a lot of people listening to
1: this have seen
0: the 30 for 30 Roll, Roll Tide, Tide War, War Eagle. Yep,
1: he has, he's the star of that. Hit him and Harvey up that, yep. It's the best, most passionate
0: War Eagle that's ever been delivered, ever.
1: I, I don't, I
0: don't feel like that is a, a hot take. That's just, that's a statement of fact. Yeah. I mean, he's got, a, you know, he's got an F-bomb sprinkled in there that I, I, I wouldn't dare emulate. Just go look it up, all right? Takeo Spikes, War Eagle, you'll see the clip. People know what I'm talking about. Do you think about. it's possible? Do
1: you think people are gonna be able to get him riled up on set? Cause that's almost the version of him that I wanna see.
0: Man, I went back and watched a couple of like NFL films clips with him. Yep. It's incredible. <laughs> What was the clip? There's a clip of Brian Dawkins uh, that he talked about where he's like, yeah, Brian Dawkins came up to me and he's like, I'm going to take your soul. Mm-hmm. And then Takiyo Spice gives this look to the camera where he just stares and he's just bewildered. And then he he had something, he had some line that he dropped that that just made you be like, oh my gosh, this guy is so intense. Yep. Unbelievably intense. I think he should be great though. He's somebody that's had some good experience in media. Obviously, I'm going to miss being able to flip on SEC Network at 1.30 in the morning on a Saturday going into a Sunday and seeing our guy Chizik, but I know that uh, their crew is really excited to be able to work with him. So, um, yeah, that was the the relevant news, but it was, it was great, man. I, I love SEC Media Days. The people that come here and complain, the big J's that complain, I'll never understand.
1: Hold on really quick. Let me ask you this question since this wasn't a heavy news day. Who is like the like the the cool crowd at ACC Media Days? Like, I don't want to say Mean Girls, but like the crowd that everyone's like trying to talk to. Like, who when they touch down, it's like you know, like the the media, the the pe- you know what I'm saying? TV people.
0: Okay, TV people. Um, Flight Mom is a tough person to get any sort of time with because obviously he does his own show there, right. and he's constantly he's constantly being pulled in a million different directions. But in terms of like the people that people usually kind of gather around it's all the on-air personalities mm-hmm. if those people step away for even a second they get swarmed that's just the way that is and with the the setup at the Coswell hall of fame for those who have been there you know that in their lobby they kind of have this little entryway that leads into it and you're you're pretty much just exposed to like people like right there and you're like broadcasting with them kind of in the background at least if for for the morning show like what um what our, our guy Peter Burns does with Doring and whatnot, um, you know. But in terms of like the people that everybody wants to see, it's all the on-air people. Okay. Everybody loves seeing Laura Rutledge. Everybody loves seeing Jordan Rogers. Jordan and Tom were the first people I saw when I got there today, and Jordan complimented my suit. So that's <laughs> about it's the highest start to the day. I dude, that that's the highest compliment I I, I will get mm-hmm. all week being here, and it happened you know within five minutes, but. I love SEC media days. I truly do. Um, it is, it is one of my favorite things that we get to do. And having experienced other media days, it's not like this. Right. It's not what I know. People like hate on the SEC during this week. My guy Dustin Shudi was like, "Do we really need four days for for media and whatnot?" It's like, no, we don't.
1: But, but y'all watching? Else? You know what else? Nine
0: hours of programming, ten hours, whatever it is, Monday through Thursday. I mean, I, I absolutely love it. Um, it's been it's been fun so far, but it's a blur, man. It's a freaking blur because mm-hmm. between all the content that we tr- we try and write and go check out SaturdayDownSouth.com and you know read our our great qu- work that we've done. Not my work is great, but Matt Hayes writes great stuff. Our news team crushes it, obviously. Um, but in addition to trying to get interviews and stuff, and you're constantly being pulled at Radio Row, and it's just. It is craziness, and there's nothing like it. Big Ten Media Days. I tell those people all the time. Big Ten Media Days. I don't even remember a single radio row, and I think I went to what like three Big Ten Media Days, and I don't know like what radio row looks like. It's very polite. It's not like people trying to pull you aside for interviews. It's not talking season. This is talking season. Yeah. This is this. This is one of the reasons why the SEC can truly kind of flex. And say, well, this is why we are so unbelievably unique. So it was a fun day. It's been a great start.
1: We got we haven't talked about this yet, but did you say, twenty four seven sports or two four seven sports dropped their composite talent rankings. Did oh they did that today? No 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 they did it like a couple of days ago. They did it like last week. Oh um, oh so we're gonna have to get into that. Yeah so it it um, I should have sent to you but uh, point being like it kind of showed like seven of the top eight teams or sec teams and then like then there was like an auburn like kind of near like the the 18 range and it kind of made me realize like how many teams legitimately have championship aspirations in the ncc you're breaking news here i know but it's like that's the difference between an acc media days a big 10 media days and an sec media days is like yeah like you know uh maybe you could rule out Three or four teams, but the vast majority of teams are at least trying to get in the conversation of national championships, and those coaches need to make a buzz and get their brand going. So it's like there are some guys that are just happy to be there in other conferences, whereas it's like no, like this is an arms race we're watching. You know, it kind of feels
0: like if you if you slight anybody in the West, it's it's considered the biggest slap in the face because there are so many teams in the West that feel like they're they're relevant, yeah. which is. Hard to come by i mean i did my my predicted order of finish and we'll, we'll probably we'll do a, a separate pod in which we'll kind of dig into that we'll dig into some all sec teams as well after this week and after we find out what those are but filling out the brackets or not the brackets filling out the like the order of finish and all that stuff i was like man i talked about why i thought old miss was just kind of fi- gonna figure things out and i'm sitting here penciling them in for fifth in the west right. and at the same time it's like well You could go four and four. You could run the table in non-conference play. You could win a bowl game, and it's like, all right, you you find a way to a nine-win season, and you you were able to kind of withstand this this season, which you're supposed to have massive turnover. But the West is just a it's an absolute gauntlet. So I feel like every time I say like a prediction, it's considered some sort of a hot take. Which I don't know. I don't know if it's a hot take to say that I think Arkansas is the second best team in the West. Right. I, maybe, I guess, but Arkansas fans are feeling really good. Talked today about, talked to my guy Ben Portnoy about what expectations should be for South Carolina. We're digging into that and I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm, I'm high on South Carolina. I'm not quite you know as high as Jordan Rodgers is, who came out and said that he thinks they're the second best team in the SEC East. All right. But everybody feels like they, <laughs> to your point, everybody feels like they have a pulse. Right. I think a lot of that stems from the fact that so many teams think they have their guy at quarterback. So many teams. Must be
1: nice. <laughs> look, look.
0: I'll say I'll say this about about LSU. We we really didn't get a whole lot about the quarterback situation from Brian Kelly today and obviously no quarterback representatives here. I still think that LSU in terms of the teams who don't have their quarterback situation figured out as of right now are in the upper echelon mm-hmm. of having a lot of options. Right. I truly believe that. I don't know necessarily who that option is going to be and if i'm betting today do i think lsu is going to have an all-sec quarterback at season's end i'd probably say no certainly not almost <laughs> but they have position to pivot as well right and i do think they have one of the better quarterback rooms in the sec as well just with the depth and the fact that they feel really good about where garrett Nussmeier is at that seems to be the growing yeah. sentiment so didn't really get a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of insight on that today, but talking season is great. I love SEC Media Days. And it's good that we get to do this in person. First time ever doing a podcast in person with you.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, like as a like a like a producer or whatever, but yeah, you'd never seen my house, man. I moved in here late twenty nineteen, like the uh, the panini really hit us, man. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it's right. it's been media days moved around a little bit, and so yeah, it's cool. You you like it in Atlanta? I love atlanta
0: i do a lot of people say oh this setup's not as good as hoover or whatever you know what no all right i like the fact that i can we, we can stay downtown there's plenty of places to go we're still figuring out what the karaoke situation's going <laughs> to look like wednesday night yeah barrett told me today that he's got some te- his 10 year old's got baseball practice so that's up in the air <laughs> so we're still figuring things out
1: according it's like when nba players have a playoff series at home it's like they have a bunch of stuff to figure out that's I know. where barrett's at right they now do. Barrett,
0: uh, Barrett's in that spot. He's in that exact spot.
1: I'll, I'll say this too. It's like I. So I personally like. I grew up in Hoover. You know this. Like I went to Hoover High. Like I. I love the Hoover setup a lot, and I I, I. I. like Atlanta more personally. But I will say there were a few things like Nick Saban walking in in Hoover. They had yes. the dude with the the whistle hat and the ring hat. Ring the guy, yeah. Guy dressed like Paul Bear Bryant, like. But I think absent of that, which really was just this is in Alabama. You know what I'm saying? Like, They'll no, be there. They'll yeah. be there
0: Tuesday. By the way, by the time people are listening to oh. this, yeah. The, oh, they they, they travel.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, but in terms of just regular fans just showing up and being like, "Hey, Saban's gonna be here today," you know, like that was pretty cool. But I think that's just it would be there in Mississippi the same way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it, it wasn't local to Hoover; it was just an SEC town. So, yeah, I, I think Atlanta's a pretty cool spot. We should live here. I'm a little bit biased, but yeah, man, I'm glad to have you.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's been good to be here so far. Um, we're gonna have a lot more content, a lot of interviews that are be beco- that are gonna be coming up the rest of the week that we've got set up. That we're gonna, probably gonna release some some of these periodically, but the one that we did today with Eli Drinkwitz. Um, I think there are, there are there are a lot of people who might not necessarily be sold on Eli Drinkwitz as a head coach, as an offensive mind, just as a, as a personality. Um, one of my, one of my buddies who I was next to today is very much not an Eli Drinkwitz fan at all. <laughs> like the, maybe the most outwardly anti drink guy there is on the internet. Um, but we won't hold that against him. I think, I think his perspective is really unique though and as you'll hear kind of from this this interview and i think he's overall and i wrote about this for for saturday down south i think overall his perspective is something that the sec kind of needs a little bit more of i'm not saying that he needs to end every single game by trolling an opposing coach right he addressed that yes i asked that question about dan mullen mm-hmm. but i do think that Uh, the sec would be better to have a few more personalities who aren't necessarily afraid to jab you know it's kind of fun to see him you know throwing jabs at kiffin sneaking into his his media room up there and seeing him you know call out his sneakers and stuff and i just i find myself even though i'm not necessarily of the belief that eli Drinkwitz is suddenly like a top 10 offensive mind in the sport i do find myself feeling like his
1: personality is a bit of fresh air so let me dig on that real quick because i would say mizzou is in probably one of the more interesting spots in the sec you know they've had enough of a runway to where you know this is obviously gonna be year it's year three for him right yes this is year three so this will be year three and so it's like you know, do you think the SEC East is obviously, there's Georgia and it feels like everybody else and everyone's kind of fighting for that second spot. The Florida, Tennessee, Mizzou is kind of right there. What would you say would be their definition of success? Do you think that it's reasonable to say maybe they could finish second? Or I guess what's their ultimate goal under Jinkowitz?
0: I think their goal is to be a team that can get into the top 25 and stay there for more than a week. Fair. I think their goal should be beating a team that they're not supposed to beat on the road. Okay. That's the thing that they haven't been able to do yet. They've been, they they, they they've always been good. I say always. There's been two years of drink with air, I shouldn't say that, but they can get that one at home, mm-hmm. which they did last year. Florida was the one that they weren't necessarily supposed to get. LSU the year before that. I did not. <laughs> I did Bunny. not wake up choosing violence today. <laughs> but I think that's that's how they would value success is being able to win a couple of those games that they shouldn't. Are they a New Year Six Bowl team? In my opinion, no, not with the current talent disparity. Mm-hmm. It's at a very different place now than it was back in 2013, back in 2014. It's different where they're trying to recruit and the way that they're trying to build this program as opposed to when they were in the Big 12 and the, the competition that they had within that conference. So I think that's part of it, despite the fact that Drinkwich just signed the number 15 class in the country. So they're elevating that talent a couple more guys like Luther Burden in there? Right. A couple I was of these gonna say, that his
1: selling point right now, that it's basically hold on, reinforcements are coming, as in like that class will grow up and play for him eventually. Is he just biding time until that talent gets there, you think? <sighs> yes. <sighs> I,
0: I don't wanna say that he's buying time, but I think you you have to be able to, to elevate that talent level. Mm-hmm. Mizzou has done an incredible job in the last decade plus of finding those three star guys out of Texas, the Nick Boltons of the world yep. who turn into studs and you look back and you're like, why wasn't that person recruited by bigger bigger programs? If you wanna sustain year to year consistency in the SEC, which you can do in the East, I do think that's possible. If you wanna be in that conversation that Kentucky's in right now, where I think Kentucky mm-hmm. on the vast majority of those, of those ballots that'll be filled out will be second or third, to finish in the East. If you want to be at that
1: level. My bad, I totally forgot that when I was talking about second place, Kentucky absolutely has a shot to finish second, yes. Yeah,
0: I mean, uh, Tennessee and Kentucky are gonna be the two most popular choices. Meanwhile, Mizzou is probably gonna be the unanimous sixth place team. I mean, (laughs) everybody has them as sixth place in the East. So yeah, I mean, they need to be able to elevate their talent level. And I would have liked to have seen them have some more success in the transfer portal, mainly with, quarterback situation, it was weird to see Drinkwitz get like three different questions about Jack Abraham, <laughs> transfer from Mississippi State, yeah. who didn't win that job and ultimately went to Mizzou. But he needs to figure out the, the quarterback situation right now. That's yeah. the biggest thing. Optimistic about the future of Sam Horn, and we'll see kind of what 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 kind of uh, comes of that. But overall, I, I think that Mizzou at least has a coach who kind of gets it. That's that's the impression that I've yeah. gotten every single time spoken to him and and have, and have interacted with him and I think he is to a certain extent I realize annoying for certain fan bases kind of a breath of fresh air and a guy that's willing <laughs> to stir the pot so um, but yeah he was uh, he was good it was good to be able to to get that time with him hadn't had a one on one with him since like the early stages of this podcast last
1: February something oh yeah like that. you know I think as you're saying this I think that we should petition Greg Sankey to like. Make every team include a quarterback, especially the ones that have a battle, just to freak everybody. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd that would be, be incredible because all the questions would just be so you included this quarterback and not the other one, wasn't it? Is anybody- <laughs> I mean, look, Vandy was the
0: program who uh, I. I thought we were going to see, and Clark Lee would pr- still probably say that he's locked in a, that their program is locked in a battle right now, but Mike Wright is representing Vandy. I thought he was locked in a battle with Ken Seals. Not a lot of people talking about the Vandy quarterback.
1: <laughs> listen, if you tuned in for a Vandy quarterback battle when they weren't on the podium, strap <laughs> <drop> in. <laughs>
0: I've been asked about Vandy quarterbacks twice on radio in the last three years. Both times were by Chuck Oliver. Both times were related to Ken Seals, who he's a big fan of. I always just respond by saying, you know, I think Mike Wright has some juice. I mean, he's got some juice.
1: <laughs> Very Stu Gosset, you yep, he's got some juice, stand up. Got some,
0: got some juice, yeah, he's a fun guy to watch. But yeah, we'll have uh, a lot more coverage from SEC Media Days here in Atlanta, but two interviews. Let's go first to Eli Drinkowitz, and then let's go to the interview that we recorded later last week with new Kentucky receiver, Tavion Robinson now excited to be joined by a very special guest It is Mizzou coach Eli Drinkwitz um let's let's start here the thing that you are most sick of discussing NIL realignment transfer portal tampering which which one of those things are you like all right I've had enough of that Um, I really, honestly, I think all of them from
2: the standpoint of what is the solution. It's easy to continue to complain about a problem, but what is the solution? And so for me, if we're not talking about solutions, we've, we've complained enough. Let's figure out what solutions
0: are. We just live with it. Do coaches feel kind of helpless for some of this stuff? Yes. Because it feels like you get asked about this and we all kind of assume with how powerful coaches are that you're going to have some sort of input on, you know, with the exception of maybe like conference scheduling. And even that doesn't feel like you're totally in control. It feels like everything is just kind of like you're just left to make good of whatever situation you're in. (laughs) this is going to get me in trouble okay so
2: um, but the reality of it is in the SEC spring meetings we were um, it was said that there were only four coaches who were there in 2019 Um, there's there's not enough continuity amongst coaches, head coaches in this league for us to determine the direction and the future of the sport. You know, there are a few uh, great ones, you know, obviously with with uh, with Coach Saban and Coach Smart and uh, Coach Stoops, who've had longevity in this league uh, and Coach Fisher and, and even I would say Coach Kiffin because of his time here. Those guys, I believe, deserve more input in what the future should be. I think you just said you should have less input. No, I don't say we should have less input. Uh, I, I just think that um, it's kind of hard for us to have input if if that input's consistently changing. And then you gotta remember that um, coaches are gonna always be pushing for ideas that help benefit them, maybe not
0: what's benefiting for the greater good of the the, the game. Okay, so conference schedule. Everybody's kind of talked about 1-7 versus 3-6, all this different stuff. Have you been on record saying that you have a specific preference or do you just kind of defer to people, like you said, who have been around here for a little bit longer? No, I have a specific preference and
2: believe that 3-6 model is the one that needs to be implemented. I I believe that the SEC is built on story traditions and the, and, um, the rivalries of playing consistent opponents. And I think when you lose that consistency of opponent and your conference schedule is consistently jumbled um then you're not going to have the passionate fan base the 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 embracing of um, that rivalry that that pushes your team to want to achieve I, I, it's hard for me to believe, and I may have my dates wrong, but it'd be hard for me to believe that Georgia is not going to play Auburn every year in the South's oldest rivalry. That Tennessee is not going to play Florida on the third September and Saturday is the third or second September Saturday in September. Um, that that Alabama is not going to play Tennessee in the third Saturday in October. Uh, we're we're going to do away with that in the SEC for what? For what? G- give me a good reason why we're not going to play those games so that that Texas can go to South Carolina so Mizzou can go to Mississippi State. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Shots fired Mississippi State. No, it's just we're not not 100% no. We've already played at Mississippi State and got my butt whipped there. Um, It's just not a natural rivalry for us. Would I be excited to play in Starkville? Absolutely. Is that a great program? Yes. But does that create a a natural opportunity for us to build a rivalry there? I I don't believe so. Um, We need to play more regionalized rivalry games and have consistency
0: of opponents. Arkansas would be one. Who else would you want to play with those two annual, those three annual opponents? Mine is not to design the the the, the
2: ingredients. You know, we've got great people who can do all that. I just think a consistency of
0: opponent is important. Okay, we got the boring stuff out of the way. You're drinking i Celsius, I've, which I've never heard of before. You kicked the Diet Coke habit it, for seven and a half weeks-ish. Okay, update us on your caffeine intake. Well, I didn't kick Diet Coke for the caffeine. I just
2: felt like I was too dependent upon it. And so wanted to, uh, you know, it's just part of a personal growth challenge, say, hey, can I put my body under control and, and have some self-control? So I did it for seven and a half weeks and still, you know, won't, won't really drink more than two a day, maybe. Um, and have gone several days where I didn't have any just to make sure. Today I needed a little bit of a pick me up with all of this uh, interaction. And so went ahead and
0: tackled the Celsius. Okay, so um, last year, Dan Mullen is an easy guy to kind of have some fun with. And look, I, I was kind of connecting some dots here. I'm not trying to be sexist by saying this, but you have what, four, you have four daughters, the, the lightsaber, the, um, the very famous, may the force be with you, that came out after that game. Can you at least give some background as to like what, what led to, to having that ready to go? I know. I know. Like the, the I'm just saying like how you acquired said lightsaber to be able to have that. Oh,
2: I mean, look, the previous and I have a a lot of respect for Dan Mullen, a tremendous coach, and regret uh, that it played. If I, if I would have known what was going to transpire in the next 48 hours, would never have done that would not have done that. Um, But the previous season, they beat us pretty good and uh, put on a Darth Vader costume for his press conference and was totally fine with that. That's fine, but turnabout's fair play. And so, you know, when we won and had the opportunity to have a a lightsaber, um, you know, I was ready to snatch on the opportunity.
0: It was incredible. I just want to go on record saying I'm not I'm not criticizing it. It was incredible. I was just saying like that that plan was was in the works. I like I think we need that in the SEC. You know,
2: everybody's talking. I do too, man. I mean, the, the days that the SEC are fun is when Steve Spurrier's cracking jokes at at Philip Fulmer and and, and uh, you know Houston Nutt and, and those guys. I mean, that that's what I remember the SEC
0: being. And we're too, a little bit too buttoned up. Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, um, yeah, like we don't need that extreme. Like that got a little bit personal. I think you're kind of jabbing. Like when you sneak into to Lanes Lanes off, or you know Lanes media availability, and you're talking about you know what what you think of his shoes. That's the kind of stuff that we need. That's healthy.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the new day and age of college football. I, I don't take myself too serious. I think that's the realest reality. I think people think I do, but I'm having a good time. I mean, 17 years ago, I was a seventh grade football coach and in in 10, years, I may be doing that again. So I'm going to enjoy the ride while we're on it.
0: You like coming to this. I I can tell. I can see it, you know, the way that you interact with people. You feel like you have a natural calm about you despite the fact that this is only technically your second SEC media days, right? Do you feel like when you get into this sort of setting, this is kind of where you thrive? This is what college football
2: is, man. This is what we have to be in order to be successful. We got to be unique and different. We can't be... Afraid of the media, we can't be afraid of interaction. To me, that's what makes college football great it's the fans and the interaction and personal experience that we have, and the tradition and the community. And
0: so, that's to me, it's part of my job. Luther Burton, everybody's excited. The zoo fans are ready to roll, they want to see that big time playmaker. Are there plans to get him? That's that's the wrong way to phrase that. You can't treat him like a typical true freshman, right? Like somebody that comes in as decorated as he is. I would imagine that there's a bit of a sense of urgency for you to want to get him involved early and not necessarily, you know, be like, All right, you know, we gotta limit his reps and whatnot. Do you feel that that sense of like wanting to get him more involved with how talented obviously he is and you saw that in the recruiting process?
2: I mean, I think it's got to be realistic for people not to put so much expectation on him. I mean, he's not uh, the savior of the Mizzou football program. He is a very talented player that we're fortunate to have. And he's going to create the role that he creates for himself based off how he produces in fall camp. He has earned a lot of opportunities based off his performance in the spring and the work ethic that he uh, presents uh, in the summer. But he's going to get what he earns, just like everybody else in the program. If he comes out in fall camp and earns it, then he'll get the opportunity to be targeted. If he comes out and doesn't earn it, then he's not going to get it just because he's here. We're in the business of winning games, not playing favorites. And so, um, sure, he's going to have plenty of opportunities, but he's earned those opportunities so far
0: you listen to country music
2: i love country music yeah
0: who's your go-to right now
2: um I, I switch back and forth between luke combs and uh eric church quite a bit number one eric church song is what hell of a view maybe springsteen uh, maybe uh uh the the ones i've lo- loved along the way it's a pretty good song uh, so yeah hell of a year yeah, that's good. All of them, those,
0: all of those are pretty good. Luke Combs should be the biggest star in country music right now. Like, is he? Is everybody talks about him being on that Garth trajectory? Is that kind of like what? I mean, in your in your opinion, is he like as big as as it, as it gets right now? So Luke Combs is an Abstate
2: grad. That's I okay. I forgot about that connection. Yes. Uh, so man, I, I tell you what, he is on a unbelievable trajectory. But he's a great person, uh, great writer. Got a great knack for getting to know the fans, and um, but he's really down to earth. I tell you what, I really like that song. Doing this right now, kind of kind of speaks to me a little bit. So uh, yeah, I, I wish him all the best. He delivers an unbelievable pump-up
0: speech. I think you've got to get him into the Mizzou locker room before before a big game and just say, Luke, I think you need to be able to fire up our players. Is that something you would you would consider?
2: You know, uh, Luke came to the arena uh, at, uh, at Columbia when I first got the job, and he left a motivational message um, for me. Um, You know, there's a picture of me and Luke in my office, and he left a motivational message for uh, our team there. So we know exactly what, what we're getting with him.
0: I think uh, I think you have the, the right approach to media days. Oh, yeah, last one for you, because um, I know you're a busy man here. The sneaker competition, you've taken upon yourself to want to win it every single year, and it's not tennis shoes, it's sneakers. Um, you let Lane know how, how you feel about his sneakers. What are, what are we rocking this year as somebody who isn't a, a sneaker aficionado, and, and why do you have the best sneakers at SEC media days?
2: Well, this year is the Chinese Year of the Tiger, and these are custom-made Chinese Year of the Tiger Nike shoes with the uh uh in gray or in uh, i don't know how to say it because i'm not really a sneaker aficionado either i just if i find a good pair i get them and uh so somebody bought these for me and, and told me to wear them to media
0: days and so i did it a booster did so yeah last last one for you preview what what like the main like the the jab or the joke or whatever it is that your punchline this isn't going to come out after until after the fact so it's not going to matter but um a preview of what you're going to say at sec like at, at media days when you address the masses here i don't have one that's all off the cuff
2: yeah i don't i don't i've got some prepared remarks but i have no jokes lined up Last year was easy, but uh, this year I'm not going to try to top it. I got in a lot of trouble last year. I'm going to try to stay between, I'm going to stay in the fairway, keep it, keep in the short grass. Coach, appreciate it. Appreciate you, man.
0: Now, excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is a member of the All Bang the Drum team, Kentucky receiver, Tavion Robinson. Uh, Tavion, I, I want to be up front with you because. I know I'm going to make the mistake of calling you Wondell this year. It's going to happen. I'll do everything in my power to fight it. I really will. Has that been a common
3: mistake that you've heard since you arrived in Lexington? Uh, Not in terms of like my name, but the comparison has been there since I've gotten here. Yes. It's sort of crazy
0: to think about the, the similarities between you two. Both really similarly built. I mean, you guys both play mostly in the slot. I know you can play on the outside as well. Both. Obviously, big parts of the return game, power five transfers. I mean, the, the list kind of just goes on and on and on mm. with the last name Robinson. Oh, by the yeah. way, uh, are you are you sure you're not related to him? Because, man, like the, the similarities when you watch you two, they're they're, they're very much pre- present. I not think that every time I know of. not that I know of. <laughs>
3: what's what's maybe the biggest difference between you guys? Um, It's hard. I mean, we do have similar style of play uh i'll say he is a strong he's very strong he's a real compact you know guy he's not the tallest but he's real strong he plays big and i guess that's the biggest difference you know i'm a little more lengthy you talked about that uh watching him on
0: film and how that that made a an impact on your decisions to come to kentucky because two years ago you know with the offense they're playing and then obviously much more run heavy you saw that up close in the belt bowl in 2019 but being able to kind of see Wandale's role in the way that he progressed in this offense, one year in this offense, how big was that in your decision to come to
3: Lexington? It was big, you know, um, the offense they were running specifically and him being in my position that I play, it was just like, you know, I could go there and have the same opportunity. So, you know, that, that led to me coming to Kentucky. Wandale, Cooper cup, Debo Samuel. I assume those are the three guys that you watch on film the most. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, a lot of film from last year. Then we watched a lot of Sam Fran and uh, still a little bit of Los Angeles. But, you know, I think it all comes from that same umbrella in terms of the style of offense. Do you do – you, so
0: the, the, the there's been a lot of discussion about the Debo role and just in general and whether or not it's good long-term and all these different things. Do you see yourself doing some of those similar things? Because with Wandale, that was a big topic of conversation last year and like, Oh, you know, he, he transferred, obviously, from Nebraska to Kentucky, he didn't want to be in that role where he's running in between the tackles against a team like Iowa or something. Mm-hmm. But but how, how do you feel just about that overall, that overall presence of being a guy who could potentially have a few carries within a given game and impact it in that way?
3: Um, I, wouldn't, I I feel like I could do it, but we do also do have a lot of good running backs here that can do that as well. You know, that role wouldn't be as prevalent in this offense, it's not that we don't have exactly Debo Sam. He is a, he's built a little different, but you know, having a few carries being used in the jet sweep game, um, any aspect obviously on offense, you know, I feel like I could have a little nitpick at everything. Where do you feel like you're at your best when you're, when you're lined up and you see
0: something, whether it's zone coverage, press coverage, you know, you're, you're getting a a seven yard cushion, which I imagine you don't get too many of those in the slot, but when's the situation when you
3: feel like you're at your best? Um, It's really in the slot, of course, you know, that's where I'm most comfortable at and um, in terms of defense, you know, the coverage really doesn't bother It's just when you get those mismatches where it's the linebacker in front of me, you know, that's when you're looking at your quarterback like come my way. But, you know, anytime I line up and I'm in the slot, you know, I feel pretty comfortable. Is there a a communication that you have with Will at at this point? I mean, he's
0: played enough football where where I would tend Mm -hmm. to think he he can see that. He was really good at recognizing that last year.
3: But is there there a little, you know, just just one of these? Do you have to do much of anything for him to be able to kind of notice that? Not at all, honestly. You know, it's just, you know, he's a very smart guy. He scans the defense before each play, you know. And our play calling allows those mismatches to happen. So he kind of knows where that mismatch is before he hikes the ball. Got to ask you about um, about the Belt Bowl.
0: I mean, a game that you know you've probably talked about a decent amount here. I, I know you when you when you first got to Kentucky, you talked about like how the hit that you took from uh, from Yusuf Corker. Yeah, yeah, that that was like your welcome to college uh, hit. Is that still your like the, the biggest hit that you've taken in college, or has there been yeah. one that was bigger?
3: It's the hardest I've gotten hits since I've been in college. You know, I've taken some hits, but that one, you know, that was that was different. You know, after that hit, I don't know if you can see it on the TV, but I had a hole in the side of my mouth, it's about this big because I bit my um, my oh. cheek. I didn't have a mouthpiece on in that game, but um, that that was definitely a wake up call right there. Wait, a that minute. was my first time ever playing against the SC team, so you know, playing them in the Buck was is like, okay, they play ball. SCC speed, you, you yeah. can speak to it, yeah. I mean, exactly.
0: getting, getting a hole in the side of your face, I at least, it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. Tell, tell me about that because that game was so back and forth and uh, painful memory for somebody who's at Virginia Tech, obviously, with the way that played out, of course. But, you know, that was so chippy and, and just the intensity. I know you talked about kind of even the events midweek. It was just kind of all culminated into that pregame fight and the way that that played out. It, have you ever kind of been around an atmosphere like that? Or was that kind of just unique in that it was kind of a bowl type setting and it was kind of just trending in that direction with the way those teams were, yeah, were kind of wired? I've
3: never been in that type of um, that atmosphere, but that was my first time experiencing it, being at the Buc-Bow. And, you know, all the events, like you said, had led up to the energy that was brought out in the game before game. And it was it was fun being around, you know, it was a real hyped up game. If If it wasn't hyped up to everybody else, it was definitely hyped up between the two teams throughout that week the world i feel like has gotten to know will a lot over the course
0: of the last year and it's kind of crazy to think that he was a summer enrollee um what
3: have you gotten to know about him besides just the the obvious mayo banana you know all that stuff Mm -hmm. um being around him basically every day in the weight room you know he's a guy who goes and gets it you know he's very well driven you know he works he loves to work you know he doesn't you never see a day where he's Not doing his best or he looks like he's taking a day off. He's always 100 every day. And, you know, having a guy like that behind center leading this unit, that's important. So that's what I've seen. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, was he part of that 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 pitch
0: to you, the recruiting process? Because at this, at the time, if, if I'm not mistaken, because when you committed to Kentucky mid December, you didn't definitively know that he was coming back. Because I think he was still he was still going to be mm-hmm. announcing like two weeks later, so there was still that chance that he could theoretically go to the NFL. Different type of draft buzz, obviously going into next year than what he yeah. had this past year. But was he was he part of that that recruiting pitch for you?
3: Definitely. Um, I got to speak to him a few times. I Obviously, wanted to speak to him to you know, start to build some sort of relationship. If I plan on coming here, and um, I think maybe once or twice, he mentioned he was going to come back for another year. So that kind of gave me a little relief that he will be here. The year I'm here, but he definitely played a big role. And you know, I'm glad he's here, obviously. And you know, get to looking forward to play with him. That, that recruiting process of being in the transfer portal. Explain how
0: different that is. And I, I've talked to guys about this. Talked to Wandeil about it as well. Just how different was it kind of understanding the landscape of college football, having been in this for three years and understanding what somebody can actually sell you versus what somebody can actually show you and say, this is exactly how you're going to be used?
3: Yeah. um, As far as like the legit process, you know, it kind of gives you a high school vibe, you know, getting all the offers and stuff. Same process. But given that I had three years in college, you know, I knew what guys were using their favorite pitch line and where guys were being real with me. So, you know, it. it my list and where I was thinking about dwindled real fast. And um, this was the most genuine place that I felt comfortable and obviously the opportunity that I had, which led me coming here. You know, the coaches were great. You know, Woody, my position coach, spoke with him a lot over the phone, you know, and always was not football. Coach Stoops got to sit down with him, have a conversation. You know, he's a real good guy. Really... A guy who cares a lot about his players. And, you know, you can't say that about a lot of many people. But um, this def- it definitely was an easy choice, I'll say. Did anything – the like the fact that it
0: was outside of where you grew up, you know, you're a Virginia kid playing outside of the state for the first time,
3: did that did that impact it at all? Your fa- is your family still going to be able to, to, to see you play at Kentucky? Uh, that didn't really impact in terms of choice. You know, I knew it was going to be somewhere outside of Virginia. You know, it was my first time living outside of Virginia my whole life, but um, they will really get to see me play a lot. You know, um, it's only eight hours from home, which seems far, but it's it's not that far of a drive. You know, every weekend, every other weekend, sometimes I like to watch the game on TV. It's a little more entertaining, but they will really get to see me play a lot of football. And this is, um, I don't know yet, but it could be my last year, so.
0: Yeah, that's right. You still have another year of eligibility. Yeah. That's kind of the crazy thing is people might look at your situation and say, "Oh, you're one and done," when it's like, "Well, oh, no, twenty twenty changes everything. Everybody's yeah. got that that extra year of eligibility." It, your your quarterback at Virginia Tech, Tanner Hooker. Um, kind of crazy the way that it's played out with him and what he was able to do at Tennessee last year and given what he went through in 2020 with the health scare and the, the heart condition all that mm. what was it like to kind of watch him uh, progress in that in that sort of way and kind of have this this
3: coming out party the way that he did um I mean I'm happy for him ultimately you know he took an opportunity like myself to go somewhere and try to better his production you know create something better for himself and what he did at Tennessee was awesome. You know, he got to play like Hendon wanted to play, and they gave him the opportunity to do that. So, you know, I'm all i him, happy for him, and, you know, it's going to be fun competing against him this year and not with him. I was going to say, are you are you allowed to say nice things about Tennessee players? Was that? I don't know, but, you know, Hendon's <laughs> my dog, so.
0: Okay, how about you say something nice about a a Kentucky player? Um, Dan Key is a guy that Kentucky fans are really, really excited about, and I think his spring game performance kind of only
3: added to that. What what should we expect to see from him, a true freshman in this offense? Production. You know, he he came in immediately and took all the coaching, took all the learning, learned himself, met, and he went out there spring ball, and he didn't look like a freshman. He played like – yeah, like I said, he didn't look like a freshman. He played like an upperclassman. And, you know, he's going to be a guy who will have a very great college career, become a great receiver, play at the next level. And, you know, I'm happy to see him. Is that
0: hard, the, the route running aspect of that as a true freshman? Because I always think, man, like, I'm whatever, whatever the expectations are for a true freshman receiver. I'm going to take the under. And that's not just an SEC thing, but that's just, I just think getting separation is really difficult. And those who can do it, the Amari Coopers of the world, they are few and far between. You started as a true freshman at Virginia Tech. How how difficult is that element to learn how to get separation versus, versus college corners versus the ones that you saw in high school?
3: Uh, from high school to college, you know, the big thing with college is you gotta, you actually have to have an understanding of defense. Being an offensive guy, you have to be able to disguise, I mean, see coverages, you know, one high, two high, cover four, cover two, all that, and being able to process the speed of the game. You know, in high school, you huddle up, coach tells you what the play is. You know, you know if you got a wristband, this is your specific route. But in college, you know, they say one sentence for a play, and you got to be able to understand the concept and that's a big thing in college is understanding concepts rather than specific routes because you know the routes never change it's just the concepts change and the formations change so, okay, so it's, yeah sorry go ahead I didn't mean to cut you so off I would say you know the speed of the game you had to adjust to and you know this is a level where everybody had offers everybody was that guy at their high school so it's no more high school ball you know you got to re restart that whole process for yourself and you know, I was fortunate to be able to do it as a freshman Take me back to to when you were in high school um,
0: or just growing up in general in in Virginia. I have this this theory that any kid who grew up playing football or basketball in the early 2000s in Virginia wanted to be Allen Iverson. Uh, You're the perfect person to ask. Can you confirm or deny that?
3: Uh, Definitely can confirm, you know, guys (laughs) like Allen Iverson, Michael Vick. And you go further back, you go Boo Smith. Uh, You got your D'Angelo Halls. You know, those guys, what they did was it really it really created a path for young guys like myself to strive for something, like, they were able to accomplish. And um, being a Virginia guy, you know, my process growing up was, you know, I always wanted to represent my home state, which I did for a while, then took a new opportunity. But, you know, living in Virginia was fun. I enjoyed it. You know, I stayed by the water. You know, the whole 757 thing is big to certain people and to me too. But, you know, it was, I enjoyed it. And those guys really created a, a – Avenue for us. You
0: basically played every position in high school. I, I know you're you're still you know you're still a little bit new to Kentucky, but you know a couple of names that I'm sure you've heard already. You know you talked about Limbo earlier, obviously, and Randall Cobb, two guys who you know the situation kind of called for it. Got to get in there quarterback. I'm I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I. You know we don't wish injuries happen at all. Hopefully yeah. this is the situation doesn't present itself. But if situation were to, you know, present itself, would you be up for the task of, of sliding in, playing some quarterback?
3: Of course. You know, any anything that helps this team win, you know, you gotta be able to be unselfish when you play college football. So, you know, given that I played quarterback a little bit, I got a little bit of understanding. But you know, obviously at this level it's completely different. But you know if the opportunity did come, I'd take it. If they asked, how far are you throwing it? Um, give you be a 60, 60, 65 yard ball. I got an arm on me. I got a target? Arm. On target?
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. We we. <laughs> now I'm, not, I'm not rooting for Will to get hurt. I'm rooting for a situation in which this could present itself. We could see, yeah. hey, Tavion to Dane just downfield. That's that'd be a, that'd be a fun scenario to watch. You hey, essentially. Yeah. You look, you just what you did right there was put every single defensive coordinator on notice of like, oh crap, I forgot that. <laughs> They're like 65 yards. Yeah. <laughs> That's smart. That's really smart. Um uh, you, you've seen kind of both sides of the the equation.
3: You you came into college before NIL was a thing. Now it is a thing. How how do you feel about the way that it's going so far? Um I think it still has its kinks to work out, but also me has given college athletes to create Will um, produce money based off their name and I think it's a good thing that college athletes are getting paid because we make a lot of money for universities the sport of football does a lot of money for a lot of things and I think it's time that they were able to give back to athletes so I um, mean before you know it was just so much of I think college athletes should be getting paid so now that we are I think it's um, a good opportunity but you know, it's, a, it's an opportunity, but you also still are playing college football. You're here to play football. You're here to get education. So, you know, don't get distracted from that goal that you had before NRL started. Is that hard at all, last year,
0: going through that for the first time? I don't know if like, you're on Cameo or something like that. The thing that I kept always bringing up was I can't imagine having a monster game and then looking down on my phone and seeing 200 Cameo requests on, you know, on a Saturday yeah. afternoon, Saturday night or something like that. Was it was it difficult to kind of juggle that stuff?
3: Um. It's, a, it's an adjustment. I wouldn't say it's difficult. You just got to have a, a proper, you know, balance to NIL and being able to handle school, football, and everything that comes with that. But um, as long as you stay focused, you know, you, you do what you got to do on the field and make your money outside of it. Awesome. Well, Tavion, I want to I wanna close with a little rapid fire here. Just five questions. First thing that comes to mind. Does that work for you? Yes, sir.
0: All right, first one's an obvious one. What was the best Enter Sandman intro you've ever been a part of at Virginia Tech? And tell me why it was last year, the opener against UNC.
3: Yeah, that UNC game, that was – it was insane. You know, coming through that tunnel, sometimes you can feel the ground shake. And that – that's just a – you got you to gotta be there to experience it. You know, it's hard to explain, but that was definitely the best Enter Sandman experience I had. Were you there in uh... – not 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 go to college, but like on a recruiting visit or anything in
0: 2015 against Ohio State, because that's like the only one I've ever seen that kind of feels like it compared to that.
3: Yeah, I, I missed that one, but you know, I, was, I saw some great ones before I got to college. You know, the, the Clemson game when um, I don't know if that was 2016, 2017, but they had played Tech at Clemson, and I was there for that one, a Notre Dame game, and you know, so it's a very very cool experience. What's the most intimidating road venue that you've experienced? Ooh, this might shock you, but West Virginia Ooh. is a very, it's a, it's a tough place to play at, I will say. And then the elements of the game that day made it that much tougher, but um, yeah, West Virginia was tough.
0: They're like lighting couches on fire in the middle of the game and they just don't show yeah, that
3: it on was camera. It crazy. Then, you know, they got their their little song, the take me home song, and they, they sing a bunch throughout the game, but. You know, it was a, it was a fun game, and I think that's, that was probably one of the toughest places to play at recently. What's your dream NIL deal? Dream NIL deal. Ooh, that's good.
0: We're just going to talk it into existence right now.
3: I'm going to say a video game one. I'm a big video Ooh. game guy. So any type of deal with um, 2K, Madden, or Fortnite. Not the new college football video game, though? All right, that's kind of a separate thing, I guess. Yeah, it is separate. And I think that's coming out after, if yeah. I was to leave this year afterwards. But uh, a video game deal would be huge.
0: Okay, who's the GOAT? MJ, LeBron, and because you're a Virginia guy, I'll, I'll throw in Allen Iverson as well. Um, I
3: got to go LeBron. Got to go LeBron. You can, you can debate the six rings. But then if you debate the six rings, then you got to have a six ring discussion about everybody. And, you know, Bill Russell has 11 of them. And it's guys who got more than six. So I don't think the rings is in discussion. And statistically, LeBron is better than him in every aspect of the game. Maybe Michael has some defensive stats, but, you know, I grew up watching LeBron. You know, older people will say Michael because that's who they grew up watching. But in my opinion, I think it's LeBron.
0: See all the Chicago stuff in the background here. Just I'm wearing a bear <laughs> sweatshirt. I child of the Chicago suburbs in the yeah, '90s, man. man. Like, all right, we'll agree disagree. That's fine. I, I thought you were going Iverson. I thought we were going to see that card played up. Some people bring up He's One of my favorite PGs ever, though. Yeah, yeah. All right, last one. Fill in the blank. Kentucky will win the SEC East
3: if this happens. If we execute every week, simple as that. Simple. Execute. Goddamn. Play ball. <laughs> That's all you
0: need, man. That's all you need right there. Tavian. it's been awesome. Really appreciate the time. Best of luck with everything this year. My
3: problem. Appreciate it, man. What's my destiny, mom?
1: You're gonna have to figure that out for yourself. Life is a box of chocolates for You never know what you're gonna get.
0: Figuring it out today, we are talking because I'm in Atlanta, staying in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Hotels. Lauren always jokes that by figuring out the, the the topics that I end up picking when when it's something like that I suggest and it's not something that you suggest,
1: mm-hmm. It's just like, "Oh, what did you do today?" That's what figuring <laughs> out is. It we're ha- all just figuring it out as a society, right? I mean, every day is an opportunity to learn. We are, yes, we are. So
0: we're gonna do a little bit of a different setup today. When we get to the Facebook responses, Will's gonna read questions off, and I'm going to respond just based on the way that we're set up here in Will's office, but. First move when you get into a hotel is turn down the thermostat to what? Man, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I go seventy to be safe. That's it? Yep. Oh, I'm I'm at, I'm mid sixties at mm-hmm. least. At least I got in last night at about midnight. Shout out to Hilton Atlanta for having a thermostat that allows me to turn like to be able to turn down at least into the mid sixties. Yeah. I get in, and mind you, it's after. You know five hours of travel whatnot i walked from from peach Tree to the hotel got a little bit of the back sweat going you know how it is 65 was where i was starting at mm-hmm. it was going to be at least 65. i ended up not going with like 60 degrees because that's maybe just a bit too cold mm-hmm. i don't want to wake up and all of a sudden be be panicked because you can't shock the system right but that is a a hotel must Walking in, you check that thermostat right away. I do that before I take off my shoes, mm-hmm. I do that before I take off my backpack, I do that before I wash my hands. That's probably gross, <laughs> but I always make sure, above all else, that
1: thermostat is on point because I want to be comfortable. So, you'll probably enjoy this. There's a life act to this, I don't know if you've heard about it, but next time you're in, so you, a lot of the thermostats and hotels have like governors on them, you can google how to reset a hotel thermostat. Cause some of them are hard capped like 68. There's a way you do it. If you like hold down the up and down buttons at the same time or something there, like you can look it up, but- It's like a glitch. You can like jailbreak your hotel. <laughs> yeah. Like, so you'll, you'll remember that one. Next time you're in a hotel that's trying Good to like to release know. your stuff, you can literally Google it, look up the model and they're, Like there are travelers who are the same as you that have like, are frequent travelers and have like memorized this stuff. But yeah, like that's a pretty common thing. I might be the weirdo there. I'm a big time like <laughs> walk in the room open the curtains and just do the dad pose where you like put oh, your yeah. hands on your hips and just look at your view that's yep. what i go do too. Yep, that's a
0: must mm-hmm. got a nice little view from the hotel i'm sitting at this time haven't been at a hotel with like a nice downtown view in a while and, and have one here it overlooks the basketball court right there as well which is pretty nice but that and is just that like is
1: able to heckle people playing basketball because that's like a dream for me Windows don't open. No, we're too. we're,
0: we're, we're not too like high hear
1: you, that. but you can watch people be bad at basketball because that's like an extra feature. I would pay more money to watch people suck at basketball. Hotel. I have, you know what? I haven't
0: looked into that, but if I if I do have some idle time for whatever reason, I'm like, you know what? Would be fun right now is to watch some people throw up some bricks. I As might, you see a media member that you would challenge a one-on-one game. I mean, I, I would not have the size <laughs> advantage on many people, so I say this. With love in my heart, because he's my guy, and I know I can say this, and he's going to disagree with this, but Brad Crawford. There oh, are, that would uh, be electric. Look, look, there are not many guys that I walk up to at SEC media days, guys or girls, who are shorter than five 5'8". All right, Brad's Brad's one of the few. Brad can hoop though.
1: I was about to say Brad I've seen his hoop. highlights. He posts yes. like basketball highlights. That would be legendary.
0: But I feel like that would give us the best sort of competitive balance. I'm not. I ran into I ran into my guy, our guy Josh Pay today, mm-hmm. and I'm like. Josh would back me down in the post <laughs> and I would leave bruised. And I, I, I think from a skill perspective, I could probably take him. I don't know if Josh knows what a basketball is. He probably doesn't.
1: The least the, the least likely is Cole Kubelik. Absolutely right. That guy would just hammer you in the post. Cole
0: would be rough. Cole <laughs> would be rough. Caught up with him for, for a bit today as well. And I definitely had one of those reminders. But as I often do, when you get around people who played in the trenches in the SEC, and even though they're pretty far removed from their playing days, you're reminded how much bigger they are than you. Mm-hmm. I always get that reminder with him. Oh yeah. Always, every single time. He gets. I know he's big into the Peloton now. He's more of a cardio, not crazy into the weights, or at least he's not posting the videos and doing all that stuff. Cole would be rough. Yeah. Cole would be rough. I don't need to get bruised playing pickup basketball.
1: Um, anyway, hotels, um, so guess what? The Louisiana and Alabama education systems are on trial today, but it's gonna get to read. Um, so yeah, I think um, as far as like this stuff, I've recently gotten into like traveling for work. I like travel for my day job. Just got my first corporate card, really excited about Ooh. that. It's gonna be a fun time. Got my little Delta app to like check in. Um, I really don't even super care about hotels. Like, obviously, like I, I would prefer like a Hilton or a Marriott, something that like you know people go to, that's well known. That like they all kind of work the same. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not super picky. I've been to a ton of hotels in my life. I like the little boutique, like bed and breakfast style hotels, not the weird ones where there's like a old people working there. But the ones that twelve cats. Like a, yeah. yeah, I mean, well, that's a plus. But like, <laughs> but like don't talk, talk to me about cats. If there are cats, I'm in. But point being, like, if there, if I would, I stayed in one in um, Charleston when I saw, um, or not Charleston, um, Savannah when I saw. Um, the at Emory and it was like the best hotel I've ever stayed at. It was a very quaint little like 14 room place. But yeah, um that's that's mostly it. Most of my hotel, what's up?
0: I was gonna say, do you, okay, so you said the, though that you prefer like a Hilton or a Marriott, right? Mm-hmm. Embassy Suites, terrifying. That drop, it's like if you're on the top floor of an Embassy Suites mm-hmm. and you're like looking down, I vividly remember going to baseball tournaments as a kid and there would be like that one kid who would climb out mm-hmm. and like try and like scale the wall on like the twelfth floor, and they would have to be somebody that came up and got them. I, what? Yeah, no, no, that's <laughs> that's a real thing, dude. I I vividly remember certain situations wherein, you're like, why why does this exist? Where where you could just climb down? Because the second that somebody takes their eye off their nine year old kid, what do you think is gonna happen?
1: I didn't know I wasn't aware of that. So apparently, in this situation, you were the miscreant because I'd just be playing video games in my hotel room. I'd be, mean, I was, little, I was not trying to climb All anything. Right, fair, fair.
0: But I do remember liking Embassy Suites when we were kids. My parents used to always look for a Hampton Inn. Mm-hmm. They love a Hampton Inn as much as my brother and I. No, I'm kidding, but. <laughs> It's got, for them, they always had to have the continental breakfast. And now, you know what's weird? I don't even look and see if a place has a continental breakfast Mm -hmm. anymore. If I stumble upon it, yeah. Different story. Right. But I, for whatever reason, that's never like a, a deal breaker for me in the way that it was when you were 11 or 12 years yeah. old. Am I crazy for thinking that?
1: No. And I think as I've gotten older and I've traveled like period, I do a lot fewer chains. Like I'm not really amped up unless I got to be somewhere. Like probably what you had going on continental breakfast is like perfect. But if I'm chilling, like I'm trying to hit like a local diner or local breakfast place. So I'm not really, so I've never gotten to a breakfast now.
0: Yeah. That's not a make or break. You're not going to yeah. not book a hotel. Now if 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 a hotel is charging you $30 a day to park there, that's a tough scene. That's a tough scene. You got to you got to actually factor that in. Have you ever looked at the breakdown of a hotel bill and seen like the bed charges oh, that they have. Oh man. It's yeah. Depressing.
1: Well, okay, so we had, whenever we went to um, Washington DC for the spelling bee, one of our coworkers, who's like the most Gen Z person ever, like went through and found it. And she's like, oh, there's a laundry charge on here. And I was like, that's weird. Like for like clothes. And she was like, well, guess what I'm gonna do. And so she like got her stuff like dry cleaned. And she was like, oh, it's included. I was like, you're awesome. Thank you for this. Cause they were charging us like 20 bucks a day yes. anyway. So I like put all my stuff out, got it dry cleaned. And I didn't come back. Like those Gen Z people, they're there. That's, that's, <laughs> that's smart.
0: Okay. Toiletries. Do you use hotel toiletries? Do you use them in an only, if you forgot and it's an emergency and you can't get to a CBS or do you say, nah, I bring my own no matter what?
1: So I am like, uh, this is dumb, but it's like something I love. Like I've gotten to a point where I have my little travel kit that has everything I need in it and I just grab it and go. Same. That is like the most adult thing I probably do in my life. And so I'm really pumped so I can grab my little travel thing. But like, don't worry, inclusive, uh, little cheap shampoo. I have my own, I prepared. TSA approved. Right, exactly. I went to Walgreens, got my travel size
0: shaving cream because oh, yeah. I, I was using the same thing as shaving cream, my same travel size shaving cream for <clears throat> roughly the last five or six years. Did not need a new one. I also rarely shave on vacation, but a little bit different in a professional setting. Right. And just got a new one for the first time. And I realized I need to have that covered because I don't think you can get shaving cream at a hotel. I don't think
1: hotels provide that. No, they don't. Yeah, that's where that slight age gap between us comes in for things like that. Like I'm just now figuring out, it's like, yeah, you're on shaving cream number two, man.
0: Because you just started shaving, like, two weeks ago.
1: Man, look, I still am not shaving. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll get there. I, I shaved today. Can you tell? I Just, no. Um, I don't, I, I work from home, so I just got to Zoom. But Fair anyway, um, all right, you ready to hear some responses, Connor? Yes, let's do it. All right, Dave Kozart. We always stay in the Hilton property to rack up the points, usually Hampton Inn. The digital key and continental breakfast are nice to have. If I'm staying more than one day, I'm usually over the continental breakfast by the second day, and I'll find a local breakfast spot instead. Retweet. The Hampton we stayed at recently in Nashville had a rooftop pool and bar, which was cool. I have an Airbnb horror story. <laughs> yep, uh, from Atlanta last year. But I'll save that in case there's a figuring out about Airbnb. Yes, that would be an interesting one. Let's yeah, let's let's, do it. <laughs>
0: let's save. We're, we will do a separate Airbnb verbo. Yeah. Uh, figuring out. We'll do that at a later date. Um, I agree 100%. Kind of over the continental breakfast after day two. Definitely was not my mindset when I was in high school or something like that. Yeah. But for whatever reason now, unless there's something that I feel like they're really, really good with. Yeah. They got an omelet bar or something. I stayed at a hotel one time here in Atlanta for opening weekend of college football season and I was always staying there one night. Mm -hmm. They had a full omelet bar. Love that. It was immaculate. If they have that, Go back every day. You squeeze mm-hmm. all that juice. Mm-hmm. But if you know it's just your standard kind of bacon and eggs, whatever. Yeah, one day move on to the diner. Figure it out. I think I think a lot of people have hotel preferences. Yep. And whether they realize it or not, they tend to default to those choices, and that's a great example. And also, you get points. Who doesn't love getting oh, points? We love points.
1: Yeah, I think I'm, I'm sure I talked about this about going to Savannah, but dude, they had a place that was. Indian Southern fusion. And it was a, it sounds, it sounds wild. It was some of the best food I've ever eaten in my life. Really? And it was all inclusive. So literally, you could call down at 3 a.m. for a custom coffee and they would bring it to your door. It was the most insane hotel I've ever stayed at. And we went down and got breakfast, dude. We must have eaten what would have been, I, I'm not kidding, three or $400 of food. Because the chef, we were like young people that were like fired up about every course. And there was a lot of like older people who were trying to like, you, we're not impressed by things. And me and Brittany were like, oh my gosh, this is free? You can give me this? Dude, I would love one of those. Are you cool making me that? I don't want to put you out. And the chef was like loving us. We were his favorite customer. <laughs> because incredible. we were actively impressed by what he was doing and nobody else was be like, you have those Japanese fluffy pancakes I've seen these on Instagram so wild. okay room service
0: I was programmed as a child to think that room service is a two billion dollar meal <laughs> <laughs> I should never call up and try and get room service mm-hmm. so even as an adult never have I ever gotten room service oh man
1: you know enough about Sandy to I can ask you what do you think Sandy thinks about room service <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Back up, back up! I missed the first part of that. I said you know enough about Sandy to where I could say, "What do you think Sandy Ogren Sandlin thinks about room service?" Uh, that it's um, that it's one
0: of those. I was going to say immaculate again. I didn't want to repeat that word. That should be a once-a-podcast word. Right. That it's the greatest thing since sliced bread.
1: Oh, yes. My mom, being from Thibodeau, Louisiana, the concept of someone bringing you food is like blew her mind in 1972. Yes. And she has kept that childlike wonder throughout her life. So like growing up, she'd be like, you want a pizza? I'm like, sure, let's do it. Let's try. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Okay,
0: what else we got? We got right. we got a novel in there. Yes. Who was yes. it that wrote the? So novel?
1: that's Emory, His is about Airbnb. I I see that uh, Dave Cozart also has an Airbnb story. We will literally do another one for yes, this because will. there are two novels in here that I want to read, but it, it's for a different day. Um, okay, Emery horror story. Went on the last minute to St. Pete a few years ago with my sister and nephew. We got an Airbnb. Got there and it was much more of a low budget hostel than an Airbnb. Uh, most, well, see there's two Airbnbs. Okay, fine, we'll just read this one because I already started. Mobile people staying in the house and didn't live there, everything was labeled with Sharpie on the door, dead bugs on the floor, sticky bed, we left. Drive to the hotel that my sister was staying in. There was a SWAT team raiding a room a few doors down from her. That's always a bad sign. That's, that's your sign. It's time to book it. <laughs> we ended up paying three times as much for uh, a hotel in a safer part of town. And my sister and nephew slept in the same room as us because they were terrified all night, as they should be. Ended well, but wild night that didn't end until four <laughs> Crappiest <laughs> hotel you've ever stayed in was
0: what and when.
1: Oh gosh, man. I mean, it would have to be like on like road trips with my dad. My dad was a big time like, hey, like- It's got a bed, that's all we do. Yeah, need- this is basically camping, we're roughing yeah, it. Like yeah. my dad, big Motel 6, like my dad was either a hundred percent or zero percent. And if it wasn't like the Ritz Carlton, it might as well be trashed.
3: <laughs> oh,
0: gosh. Yeah, I had a days in experience one time where I thought to myself, I, I could have somebody just bust down the door and I, I would just I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised and I, I Don't necessarily know what they would seek from me in this situation like mid-20s guy Probably mm. $20 on me um, I don't really know what they would get out of this But it wouldn't surprise me given the neighborhood that I'm in right. I don't want I don't want to name the specific neighborhood that it was because <laughs> I'm a big fan of the rest of this neighborhood, but it wasn't great um, and then ah, gosh I don't think I've ever had any any horror stories that are that are too too bad with hotels where there's roaches everywhere. You, I mean, everybody has the loud people next door. Yeah, uh, that
1: like that's. But that's if you're on vacation, standard. bro, like I'm not as worried about that. Unless, like, okay, like if you're like, like a downtown Hilton type vibe, I can kind of get it. But it's like, come on, bro. Like, I get I get it if you're like at a conference, but like other people are enjoying their time. That doesn't bother me. I don't know. The worst thing
0: to experience <clears throat> from uh, like. Surroundings at a hotel, besides bad neighborhood, maybe you're staying at like a motel or something like that, you're on the first floor, you're not feeling too great about it. Mm-hmm. Consenting adults next door.
1: Okay, so my thing about that is I think that's hilarious, especially if I have no stake in the matter. Like, I will play music. I, if it's that bad, like if it's to the point where it's inconveniencing me, I'm that dude that's like, let's have a contest, bro. Like, let's see how annoying I can be now.
0: <laughs> I think that is that is a, a very good point and why you have every right to blast music if they are doing that. You are acknowledging that you hear them. Yeah and you're acknowledging that you don't want to hear them. Yeah,
1: you got to go with like some smooth jazz too to where they know like what the deal is. Oh, it's like, God. why is this guy playing smooth jazz? Oh, he knows. Oh, yeah, he knows. and then they quiet down every yes. time. It's yes. the best. That's a move I can see. That's here. a smart move. Really smart. <laughs> um. anyway. So let's see. Uh, Zachary Warden, no preference. Although Doubletree, I've never complained about. Continental Breakfast is great mm-hmm. if you're up early and trying to save money or just if you're in a city that doesn't have good food. Fair. Um, I usually keep it at 71 or something, but my home thermostat is at 77 in the summer and like what? 68 in the winter. This guy is an apex, dad. Savage. Um,
0: hey, you're letting,
1: all the, you're letting all the cool out, dad, it's 71. Anyway, I once booked a CD motel on the trip with my brother while we were hiking Olympia National Park. We pulled up to our parking spot outside of our room and the room next to us had the blinds parted and a naked woman just laid out on the bed. She motioned to us as we got out of the rental car and we shook our heads and pointed to our room, then headed inside. Ten minutes later, an older fellow shows up and parks on the spot next to us and heads into the room the woman was waiting in. We decided at that point it was time to hit a bar. Smart move. My brother still refers to it as the Flop House Motel. A lot of questions. One, when he says
0: she motioned to us... <laughs> That can be a lot of things.
1: I don't think so. I think it can only be about one di- one thing.
0: <laughs> is it motioning to someone if you give them a friendly wave?
1: So you've called an Uber,
0: right? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Back up, back up, back up.
1: Calling an Uber is... I don't. I don't have to look up. I don't have to. Okay, but you've called an Uber and kind of done the whole thing about like, okay, you my Uber, you did da, 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 da. That's what this woman was doing. Uh, Although she was a woman no. of a certain industry. Okay, so All she right. was like, oh, you're my client. Are you who I'm looking for? And See, they were no like, politely, fan. no, sir. This my car is over here, actually. <laughs> but, a, but a father and son. That's that's just that's negligence. Uh, she yeah. Sh- <laughs> she should have had the awareness <laughs> of that spot. Yeah, I think he's with his brother. Yeah, but either way, the fact that she was just down for that is just she's in a very different place in life than us. And you know who am I to judge? National parks,
0: <laughs> pretty bad accommodations nearby. Yeah, really bad. Like it's it's striking how few um, chain hotels there are around mm-hmm. a national park. I don't know if that's if some of that's zoning or whatnot. But I realize this going through Utah, going to the Grand Canyon, there is a Holiday Inn. And then everything else is either C D Motel or Verbo Airbnb, at least a half hour, 45 minutes away. You're not getting pretty much anything closer. There's yeah. a lodge, maybe, and the lodge can be kind of sketchy depending on where you're staying. Right. But other than that, your options for hotels, like actual hotels, are so limited in these places that I bet there are a lot of people listening to this who have stayed in... Some sort of a seedy hotel in the pre Airbnb verbal days yeah. near a national park.
1: Yeah, that's gotta be. That's one of the few that'll still go Airbnb for. They're like local cabin rentals because you gotta you gotta stay in a cabin if you're out in the place. In my opinion, you gotta yeah. stay in it because because you're right. It's like yeah, it's a, it, it it's a kind of a, a desert for that. Um, okay, uh, Joseph McGee just says big time yay on the continental breakfast. So sweet, love that you love that. Um, Wait, real quick, <laughs> best continental <laughs> breakfast item
0: besides we we cover the omelet bar. Yeah. Is it strictly a
1: waffle iron? Oh man, I mean, the waffle iron's hard to beat. Any type of a breakfast hash i mess with, um, like potatoes type vibe. Um, really dude, to be honest, continental breakfast bacon is like, if I could eat it every day, it's like some of the best bacon in the world. Am I crazy for that?
0: No, I, I actually think, I think bacon in those settings, I like being able to control my bacon. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Out of Did context, you? yeah. I like being able to control how I cook my bacon, so I'm I'm a little bit pickier on that. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a different one. I bet it's, it's one that you weren't thinking of. Chocolate milk. I don't want to say like a fountain, like a fountain. You know how you get fountain style drinks? Yeah. A chocolate milk spout. Something that has refillable chocolate milk. Yes. Is what I would look for every single
1: time. I halfway want to say that you're like buddy from Elf, and then I also half want to agree with you. Um, I'm not wrong. (laughs) You're not wrong. Yeah. Why are you booing me? I'm right. No, I think that's fire, honestly. Um, Okay. Michael Dark. I don't have a preferred chain, but now that I have kids, I have to fork out a bit more to make sure there's a pool, breakfast, Mm Wi-Fi, and it's a safe part of town. Fair. I haven't even thought about having kids like affects the hotel game, because you cannot take those chances if you have kids. Yeah. Uh, also, the thermostat is always in the 60s. I've had my fair share of horror stories at cheap hotels, but one from last year is actually pretty funny. Last spring, my wife and I had to drive to Savannah to do our drug tests and on boarding paperwork for our new school system. Um, not knowing the area very well, we just got a cheap hotel because we didn't have the kids with us. We checked in pretty late at night and the front desk guy just finished a huge fight with a guest, so he was agitated and not super helpful. So we wandered around until we, wandered around until we found our room. Anyway, when we were walking to our room, we encountered a couple of oblivious, oh sorry, a couple of obvious prostitutes with birthday balloons going to their room. My wife excitedly told them happy birthday and they were very excited that we acknowledged their birthday. <laughs> we exchanged compliments in went our separate ways. The moral of the story is that the vast majority of people in the hosted city are friendly.
0: What, did, what does he mean by exchange compliments? Oh, you're a tourist too? How does that conversation work?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, you know, lots of, uh, uh what they were wearing, which could have been not much, but maybe shoes, uh, uh. I don't know, <laughs> Com-
0: compliment, uh, that could be a lot of different things. That could be a lot of different things. Yeah.
1: Your makeup looks great. I think that that's the easy, safe woman compliment is shoes and makeup. And I think those are usually popping with those ladies of the night. Yeah.
0: I didn't think we would have. This many references to ladies of the night, but
1: yeah, but you know, hotel horror stories. is is adding up. Okay, on um, a ver- on a very different note, real quick.
0: Yes. <laughs> I don't know the last time I went into it. I figuring it out. Prostitution.
2: What are your? <laughs> sorry. We'll,
0: we'll, that will that will not make this I <laughs> go on. That I'm will sorry. not make the SDS podcast anyways.
1: <laughs> Do not worry.
0: <laughs> we still try and keep it relatively PG. Yes. Um, I don't remember the last time I went into a hotel pool.
1: Oh man, gosh, COVID messed up everything. Uh, Oh man, I will be going on one in Vegas because I'm going to when we were young, the emo festival in the desert. Um, Okay. (laughs) They have cool pools out there in Vegas, from what I've been told. But it's been a very long time, man. Uh, uh, No, that's not true. um, I went to the pool at um, Brittany's brother's wedding. So.
0: I I don't know why. I don't like that about myself.
1: Pools are really interesting, man, and especially like if you're from Florida. Like, do you go to a community pool? Like, do you like what's your? Do you go to a pool? We have the we have the um, Wakiva Springs, which right? Is, which is like uh, relatively close to us.
0: So it's, it's a spring. It's a natural spring.
1: Oh, that's fire. So yeah. then yeah, like I just don't really do public pools a lot. I think that like, there's just a lot going on, especially hotels and stuff. But I would go to a cool pool, like the ones in Vegas. I just like, I grew up with a pool like at my dad's house. So like, I, I'm not really blown away by pools. So like whenever I'm in one where like, we've seen how many prostitutes are in this thing. Like lots of people go to hotels. So like I personally am just like, eh, whatever. Eh, chlorine kills all that. You know, that's good to know. Um, okay, we got, let's do like one or two more. These are all pretty short. Um, Oh boy, let's just skip to Jay Woody really quick. Um, okay, yes. We'll do Jay Woody and then we'll close out because it's a little bit longer. Um, love Hilton's or did they stop giving me points when I use a reward credit card? That sucks. Or oh, I did until they started. So he basically is like sh- shots across the bow for Hilton. Uh, horror story is that twice I have found dead bodies in the hotel. See, I'm glad I picked this one. Um, hear me out. I'm what? not a weirdo. Listen, Jay, no judgment here. I work for Hilton. Okay, I work for Hilton. I design wireless networks. Sometimes if the customer was super, was super was important enough, I would go out and test the network after this involves me going into every room to test the signal Sometimes a couple of the rooms would be on the do not disturb for two or three days Finally, I get the management to let me in twice. We found suicides. That's very dark Um, Apparently people that don't want to leave a mess for their families check in hotels and off themselves Didn't know that until I was in that business. Also, the glasses, hold on, let me pause there. Great topic, there's a lot going on here that I would not have thought about for hotels. Um, Also, the glasses, the remote, and the comforter are usually filthy, yeah. Don't touch those. I carry Lysol wipes and I wipe the remote down as soon as I get in the room now. Oh, and the carpet, never walk on the floor in socks. You will be depressed how black they get. Uh, I always have a pair of slides just for traveling. Gosh, this is good advice. I could give you some bed bug tips too, please do. Um, oh, I don't know. Gosh. I don't know. There are many more, but I feel like I would ruin it for some of you guys. Uh, if it helps any as much uh, as much as I know about them, I still stay in hotels maybe twice a month, so it isn't as bad as I swore off them or anything. Oh, yeah. I. Oh, yeah. I interrupted a porn shoot once, too. I guess I have more stories than I thought. I have three more stories than involved in due to the action Wait a minute. There are...
0: A lot of people listening to this who I'm sure just had the thought I did. We put a lot of faith in housekeeping. We sure do, man. We really do. And now I'm going <sighs> to go back to, to my hotel after this. Kip the hell out of your housekeeping. I, I think I'm going to have to. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to necessarily be thinking about whether or not the remote has been cleaned or, you know, I, sheets are one thing, all right? Like you, you're taking care of sheets. Yeah, you assume, yeah. I, I'm not worried about that. <clears throat> That's totally fine. The other stuff, the stuff on the floor. They're not cleaning the floors every day. They're not yeah. vacuuming every square which whatever, that kinda of take that for what it is. Do we know that they they vacuum stuff in between? I don't know.
1: I mean it's not <laughs> I would think. (laughs) So, you obviously own a house. You know how dust just kind of sits? Like, you have to like really actively clean stuff to get it all the way off. And this is such a great episode to do in person. Oh my god. You can see me just kind of bent over thinking about this. So, I think that vacuuming it and deep cleaning it are two totally different conversations. And now I'm starting to question the point, really, of the first one, uh, because you're right. And, okay, so what did we learn from this? Okay, boom, so slides that's massive. Lysol wipes, that's also massive. And uh, overall, just kind of don't worry beyond that. But yeah, I will be now packing slides and Lysol wipes because that is pretty, yeah.
0: That's good advice. That's what you come to figuring out for. I don't know if you come for all the other different things that we got into with Lady of the Night and all that stuff, but a lot of important lessons learned about hotels from that post from Jay Woody.
1: I feel like every once in a while, we should have Jay Woody on to co-host figuring it out because he's been through so much. And the more I see him comment, the more I'm just like, you have a lot of things very well figured out, Jay. Really? <laughs> like, yeah. you, you're a dad, you've worked all over. you've interrupted porn shoots. You're just, you're all over the place. So thank you for your contribution. That, we'll put that one in the comment hall of fame for sure. Yes,
0: we'll do we'll do Airbnb and Vrbo at a later date because I don't want it to, to sound too much like what we did with hotels. Thank you to everybody who submitted responses in the Saturday Down South Podcast Facebook group. It's been a lot of fun. We have more coverage from SEC Media Days. We're going to have more interviews later in the week. A certain Tim Tebow is on the schedule. Look out for that. Got some great stuff coming up um, on all things content. So follow us on all forms of social media, Saturday Down South on Instagram, at Saturday South on Twitter. Follow us, obviously, on Facebook, bookmark SaturdayDownSouth.com rate, give us a five-star review, subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to everything that we do. Sorry about that. Thanks, guys. Talk soon.